0: This week on Hyperspace Broadcast, we reveal the one weird trick to wiping out Earth's civilization. Welcome once again to Hyperspace Broadcast, a show where two real friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what, if anything, is worth revisiting, except not for the last several weeks, uh, because we're talking about Turn A Gundam, which wasn't on Toonami. I'm Michael Doak. I'm Peter Eby. And I feel the need to point that out every time, even though everyone knows that it wasn't on Toonami, but whatever. I'm just going to say it anyway. (laughs) They know it's a sinking ship. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. uh, Yeah, (laughs) I would say a ship coming into
1: dock rather than a sinking ship. That's true. That's true. We're coming to dock for refitting into a museum. (laughs) Our our old warship turned into a podcast museum. You can look around at old episodes and be like, damn, Peter didn't prep his notes for this one. (laughs) God damn it.
0: I'm going to have to adjust that audio. I just laughed way too loud directly into the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: yeah uh, uh so anyway it's good times here
0: yeah we're 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 finishing our coverage of turn a gundam this week Oh yeah. uh covering episodes 40 through 50 and let's just get right into it because i actually have a lot to say about this show uh surprising nobody i'm sure so <laughs> Where we left off last time, the Will game had launched into space and was headed towards the moon in order to negotiate with Agrippa Maintainer, who is the basically de facto leader of the moon race right now. Uh, He kind of, yeah, what's the word? He staged a coup,
1: uh, and now he's in control. Yeah, the thing about space is when he leaves space, it's really hard to come back. So Queen Diana leaves space, and then like her... um, Maintainer, if you will, (laughs) a group of maintainers like, uh, I can actually just take over, huh? (laughs) Right,
0: right, basically. Also, Loran has finally disposed of the nuclear bombs that he'd stored in the Ternai's chest by using them to destroy a colony that was going to hit one of the moon's cities. So we begin with Loran, Sochi, and Queen Diana landing on the moon and entering one of its like small cities, kind of a village really, uh, in their mobile suits. This place happens to be Loren's hometown, and he runs into, like, some of his old friends, which I think is kind of fun. And yeah. also, you know, they're all kind of fawning over Diana because they're like, is that the queen? Like, what is happening?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Apparently, they've been kept under some kind of suppressed information. Like, they don't even know there's a war going on. Right. I don't, I'm not even sure if they know that the queen is gone. I don't remember if either they do or don't know I, that i think that they're unaware that the queen is gone i
0: think that yeah. agrippa has been basically uh like pretending censoring
1: yeah all right. the info and all and, that.
0: and also they're under martial law uh yeah. essentially gim the ridiculous bad guy is in control uh so Loran and some of his friends make a plan to smuggle the mobile suits and Diana out of the city and to the moon's capital, which is called Gengenem. Uh that involves disguising them as whales, because there are canals on the moon, and his hometown is basically built over a canal. It's essentially like a fishing village.
1: And, and it's all underground, too. Like, right, the right. moon's surface looks normal, which I'd expect it like, kind of, like, cities on the surface of the moon, like, it had been, like, I guess terraformed or something. Right. I, I really like how they designed it instead, where it's like, oh, no, they go underground, and they have, like, artificial lighting and stuff inside that like, looks like a sky, you know? Right, right. And also it's kind of quaint fishing village and and stuff on, like, the upper levels and then the lower levels, and, like, the lowest level is the capital city. Right, yeah, it's sort
0: of layered cities in a way, which is kind of cool. Uh, So basically they end up fighting some dudes, but they manage to escape. When they arrive at the capital, they find that the will game has already landed. Uh, Lily Borgiano and Gwen Reinford meet with Agrippa Maintainer, and Diana attends the meeting posing as Kehilheim to kind of try to suss out what Agrippa's plan or, like, intentions are. Yeah. Uh, this meeting generally doesn't go great, and while it's happening, the Will game is attacked by the Mahiru team, which is basically, like, the the top squad of Gim's armada, and this is let, uh, led by a guy named Swetson Sutero, who is an <laughs> overweight man who is one of Gim's primary lieutenants. And I don't know, he's just kind of entertaining. Like,
1: yeah, he's he's, he's a, a piece of shit, he's really. A, <laughs> he's a wacky piece of shit villain kind of character. Yeah. Or it's like he's kind of a goofball. And then, like, he starts talking and it's like, oh, he's, he has some fucked up beliefs <laughs> you could see. And then he starts, like, killing random people because he's yeah, just right, kind of right. fucked up.
0: And he and he's very dedicated, like Gim, to this idea that he's a warrior at heart, and yeah. that his goal is to be a soldier, and like that's the yeah. purpose his of family. his existence, basically. His
1: family's a warrior lineage, like right, Gims, and right. you know, even though all they've done is simulations yeah. because simulations they haven't had real forever. war up there. Right. It's really exactly. interesting. I love that aspect of it too.
0: Uh, so the Will game under attack launches and flies towards the royal palace to basically use the palace as a shield against the Mahiro team uh harry ord rescues the real kihal haim from her imprisonment aboard gim's flagship which i think we mentioned last time it's been a while yeah uh, basically at one point harry took her to gim pretending that she was diana and then that kind of fell apart so he's rescuing her now And while they're on their way back to the capital, they find what appears to be an excavation site like the Mountain Cycle, but on the moon. And there are several mobile suits that have been recovered there. Uh, Gim orders Swetson to capture the A and basically Swetson threatens to kill the delegation from Earth if Lauren doesn't hand it over. Uh, Yeah, basically everyone on deck of the Will game, like Lily and Gwen and all them right and then gim offers lauren basically a new challenge just face me in a duel on the moon's surface lauren goes to meet gim and encounters the turn x which is the main mobile suit that gim recovered and it's a really out there design even for the designs of this show the turn x is weird and i love it because it's super weird
1: (laughs) It's fully modular in a way where like every piece can come apart and fly independently which I thought is, it's really cool like the yeah, yeah. com- the way it's used in combat and stuff something I've never seen before in uh in a Gundam show or any real mecha show I think Right so Lauren uh doesn't actually fight Gim because
0: Gim sends his lieutenant Mary Bell Gadget who is like a weird possibly slightly traumatized girl who wears a really weird outfit with bells and her 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 hairstyle is such that her space helmet looks like the head of hey arnold like it's just a football
1: (laughs) uh yeah she gets kind of a football
0: thing going on right so she and lauren fight while gim stands back and basically gathers combat data and while this is happening, Harry and Kehel rescue uh, Lily, Gwyn, and Diana, and then Harry reveals Agrippa's motivations, which is that Agrippa was sending the moon race people that he perceived to have reawakened this fighting instinct to Earth— in order to keep the moon race Society harmonious, basically he's yeah. just sending the aggressive people to go fight on someone else's turf, so they don't have to deal with it and they can continue living in this fantasy of no conflict, which is yeah. why the news which, has been suppressed.
1: Which is interesting. I, I I I like that Agrippa does have like he has his own pr- point of view, and in some sh- shade of sense, it it, it 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 shouldn't like shade of a way, it kind of makes sense like oh yeah they get this idea if they came out if they came out of the like traumatizing dark history of all of civilization being blown up then you can kind of understand why they'd be like well fuck it people who are warlike or we're just gonna send them off to go do war on earth i guess if yeah, they want right. and we're just gonna keep our society pure yeah which earth is like, can deal with that yeah and it's like it's creepy and it's kind of it's wrong but it's like kind of makes sense in a way that's creepy and wrong it, yeah, it's kind yeah. of similar to the way in like Every character's motivations in the show still make sense for that character, and I was happy to see it still yeah, bear yeah. through with this guy still who comes extended. off as, he comes off as wacky at first, kind of because he's very like um, he, he's kind of very much like a wacky kind of minister character who's like he's got a little bit of a goofy voice. Well, also um, he's dressed very weirdly because mm-hmm, in yeah.
0: general, as we're seeing now. Uh It looks like harry Ord's ridiculous clothes <laughs> were the height of moon race fashion because everyone yeah. in the moon race dresses ridiculously uh on the yeah. moon.
1: <laughs> Especially in like the in the like higher echelons of class, the, yeah, the right, moon right, yeah, they have really wacky outfits.
0: So basically, this leads into your zenith, but the final point is that uh Gim's reactivation of the x caused a blackout in the capital, which oh, yeah. kind of leads into some of the stuff that happens in your favorite. So take it away. Oh yeah,
1: yep. So my zenith is episode forty three, the shocking dark history, or just shocking dark history, whatever. Gim and Marybelle kind of like taunt Lauren and classically in classic Gundam fashion, they have like the deep discussion while fighting yeah, right. <laughs> in mobile suits and they reveal kind of the uh, Gim kind of reveals the relationship between turn X and the turn a, and that the mobile suits are kind of brothers in a sense, like they're both similarly designed and kind of based off of each other in a way. And the AI systems that control each of the mobile suits or that help control each of the mobile suits, kind of have an instinctual hatred of one another.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's some indication when the fight starts that, like, Gim is not actually controlling the turn Like, he's just yeah, not right. bothering to actually pilot it himself. He's just letting its AI run things, and its AI is pretty aggressive, given that it destroys one of his minion suits.
1: And he could tell... You could tell when the displays and the mobile suits themselves, too, are, like, freaking out. Like, oh, God, that's the Turnex. That's the Turnex. Like, right, right. <laughs> like, that there's some kind of at least, like, hidden data in there about how dangerous this mobile suit is. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the militia captured the Royal Palace, and Diana is trying to access the Winter Palace, which is a separate area that is, like, the major archives of all the old information of the dark history, and also the place where a majority of the moon's population is actually kept in cryogenic stasis. They, they like, you know, unfreeze people a little bit at a time. I wasn't exactly sure how, probably to control population. Yeah, yeah. It basically um,
0: in shifts, they have people unfrozen. I think is yeah. the idea.
1: Yeah, which is wild because you see like people meeting up and being like, "Oh my god, you are my, you are my granddaughter, and now you're older than me." You know, like that kind of shit happening. Yeah. yeah. Um and also to, like control disease and stuff from large amounts of population, uh. I think they mentioned, yeah. But yeah, like so that's them. that's all there. This very like important and well protected area. Midgard tries to stop her from accessing it. Uh, Midgard, you might remember, is the guy with the elef- cutesy elephant <laughs> shirt who. Yeah. Works on behalf of a Griffin maintainer and has tried to assassinate Diana in the past. Yeah, it
0: is one of um, the more evil bastards in this show, I'd say. Yeah. Like, he, very he's very sinister.
1: <laughs> yeah. Diana and Kehel reveal to everyone that they had switched places and for how long they had switched places, which causes a lot of awkward revelations. Uh, for example, Lily realizing that, oh, she actually forced the queen of the moon race to work at the military hospital when she thought she was just like trying to make life hell for a rival noblewoman (laughs) right (laughs) you know so like trying to fuck over key hell and make her life miserable (laughs) so it's just like oh well fuck and then the big plot twist is revealed when the dark history is fully uh revealed i guess (laughs) most of the main characters end up gathering in the archives they watch this documentation of the dark history They extract the data from the turn A as well. That kind of supplements this this dark history info. And you realize that it's the lost history of the original Gundam timeline, of every Gundam timeline, basically, uh, Mm. led up to this. Meaning Universal Century and every Gundam show in that. G-Gundam, even. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Somehow. Uh, Wing Gundam, which is also its own universe. You know, all these distinct universes where it's like, actually... They all fit into the what's called the correct century, at least in the meta. Yeah, and all of this, and and, you know, they're shocked. They're like, "Oh shit!" I love also some of the militia guys are like, "Hey, look, the Borjanon was so good; it took (laughs) (laughs) place. It was like in multiple conflicts in the past." Yeah, yeah, referring to the Zaku. There's
0: there's a truly great (laughs) number of scenes where characters look at this basically stock footage of Universal Century Gundam and are like. That looks like the Borgarnir and the White Doll, but they look older. And then, yeah, you have one of the Suicide Squad squad members like uh, shouting, "Commander Gavon, the Borgarnir has existed throughout all of history." <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: something amazing about that. But uh, they all kind of freak out at seeing like all of this destruction because, yeah, it's just like all it is is war. I mean, even though it's like we know it's stock footage or it's not stock footage, but footage from shows. Uh, but then actually this is all, but a prelude for the final war, which is basically just fucking Armageddon in which the turn a Gundam itself used a powerful weapon to destroy all of Earth's civilization. And it's like, Oh, Oh, Oh fuck. Like, yeah, you know, the turn a Gundam, the, uh, Wonderful mobile suit that is used to carry cows and dispose <laughs> right. of nuclear weapons and, and save and humanity. as a
0: washing machine and gigantic <laughs> dryer machine. and all yeah, this shit. Uh, uh,
1: actually. hanging <laughs> rack for clothes. It's actually the thing that caused all of human civilization to be almost entirely wiped out uh, in the final war of the dark history by using this like super weapon called the moonlight butterfly, which is basically like these giant butterfly wings of like energy made up of like little nano machines yeah. come out of the, uh, come out of the back of the turn A, and the turn A just flies over the earth dis- dispersing these nano machines that just break down everything right. and just dis- reduce all of earth civilization into sand pretty much. Right. And it's just and- like, that's, that's where you're left with this reveal. And it's like, Oh, fuck like it, it, it's crazy that we thought the nukes were like a huge deal when it's actually like uh no lauren your mobile suit is the um you know bringer of all devastation yeah right and it like, still can do that
0: right the the moonlight butterfly makes those nukes look like a half full squirt gun like yeah. it's just nothing <laughs> by comparison yeah. and it, it's also worth noting that um the, they're like holographic screens is how they're watching all of this. And those screens are being projected across the entire moon. Like oh, the, yeah, the people yeah. in the capital city are seeing this. And again, like you, you mentioned it, but I think it bears repeating. Everyone is terrified by this because not only is it like, oh, this is just footage from endless wars, but it's like, you know, they show the colony drop. And yeah, that's right. just borderline incomprehensible to them. Like, just the idea of a space colony is incomprehensible. Yeah, right. So
1: even to the Moon Race, like, right? Because yeah. there
0: aren't any anymore. So yeah,
1: it's like a big deal.
0: And and Lauren and Gim encounter these images too while they're fighting. Um, and yeah, at that at that point, Gim is like, also the Turn X has the Moonlight Butterfly like yeah the, the right. x is just as capable of this kind of devastation
1: so understandably you know and so that's that's my zenith for one thing and right. it's just like such a cool reveal and I, I really love how it's handled and it's just like and it's it, it it's just like the kind of like <laughs> interesting towing the line of like this is cool and this is horrifying <laughs> at the same right, time right where it's like oh god like look at like The way it like just sweeps over the earth like an angel of death, just like destroying everything is just fucking crazy. Right. And I
0: I think there's also a bit in there where Agrippa uh, points out that the moon race has some kind of residual memory of this event. And yeah. I think that that might be, given the exact imagery they're using, because when, when the Tornade destroys everything, there's like massive, massive storm clouds and lightning. And I, I think that might actually be a post-hoc justification for why the Moon Race is afraid of lightning, is because they remember this event, which is kind that of makes interesting.
1: Sense. Yeah, right. 'Cause it's all just like giant black tornadoes of right. lightning and death, like just covering right. the entire yeah. planet.
0: It's it's a great reveal and the scene leading up to it is so intense and like the, the music mix in is just fantastic. Yeah. Like it yeah. it's really impactful, honestly. It's great. Like it's a it's a great reveal that is mostly known by people now, which is kind of a shame because it's I don't know. To me, it's almost a reveal on par with Luke, I am your father, like in the sense of I wish that I could have seen it without knowing beforehand
1: the twist.
0: Yeah. But anyway, as a result of all of this, uh, the the moon race just start rioting. Because this is utterly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, basically a number of things happen. Uh Meme attempts to destroy the archives after killing Agrippa maintainer, uh, but Loren shows up in the Turnate Gundam after disengaging with uh Gim and Marybelle and basically stops the beam from uh Meme's ship, the Gundarm with the moonlight butterfly yeah seeing the moonlight butterfly freaks out and realizes all the horror that he's caused yeah and then he's like oh god
1: i'm causing it to start again like that's the moonlight butterfly i yeah i basically just caused it to come out
0: right i just restarted the dark history essentially and uh, and then Harry Ord just brutally executes him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, he like and it, you see him running out of, the, and he like runs out to a balcony on the gendarm, and uh Harry Ord's there in his sumo and just swats him like out right. of existence. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's it's pretty brutal. Also, for the record, just throughout this, there are a number of times that Harry engages entire teams of mobile suits by himself and yeah. just
1: curb stomps them. Yeah, like, Harry's insane. He's really Her- good. Harry <laughs> is
0: super cool, basically. Uh, and, you know, you should have known from the first appearance of him because he's wearing yeah. such classy clothes. Yeah, like, yeah. Come on.
1: And also, also the Mahiru squad sucks ass. <laughs> well, I mean, they're dangerous, is the thing. They're, yeah, they're, they are dangerous against unarmed civilians. But
0: <laughs> well, and even and even the and the
1: militia, uh, yeah, and even
0: even the the other like competent mobile suit pilots have trouble dealing with them. I think the idea is that they're enthusiastic if and, not skilled.
1: Yeah, later on, they're seen on Earth and they're good at uh pretty good at fucking up the. Uh,
0: yeah, the Diana counter forces. Yeah, yeah, those guys. They just wreck them, basically. Uh, then we have this thing where Diana makes a speech to the citizens of Gangnam to calm them down, Gangnam being the capital, by the way. Uh, and the riot basically ends, and she also stops the cryogenic freezing program and basically just unfreezes a bunch of people, which is where we get the aforementioned scene of like people reuniting with their yeah. granddaughters who are now older than them because one's been in stasis, and uh, Teddeth Halla's mother comes out of stasis oh, God, and is like, "Where's my that? daughter?" And they're like, man, that name sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, like, They just and don't even remember. That's her, all you get apparently.
0: of that. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. like, so in that is
1: very depressing. Yeah, poor Tedeth.
0: She just dies, and that's the only acknowledgement she gets afterward. <laughs> Ma'am,
1: much. your daughter was tragically judo-thrown into a bullet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. In fairness, your daughter is dead, but she died in a really <laughs> weird a way. really cool So, way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um... So at this point, uh Gwyn and Gim form an alliance. Uh Gim goes to confront the Queen, but can't tell if it's Diana or Kehel, so oh. he just kinda leaves.
1: Oh yeah. And real quick, Gwyn secretly had uh had Sid, the scientist guy, copy all the dark history data for him. Oh yeah, right. And like stole all that before this betrayal. Right. So
0: so Gwyn and Gim leave in the Will Game only recalling Loran and the turn A, and basically Gwyn's like, you know, join me, we're going to start a new history. And Loran is obviously opposed to this, so he escapes with the turn A, Uh, he fights the turn X and basically gets his ass kicked, because this is where Gim reveals that the turn X can split apart into a bunch of different sections that are all, like, psychically controlled, basically. Uh, And... Loren escapes in the Ternay's core fighter, which it apparently has. Yeah, uh, apparently, it, so, yeah, that you
1: know. cockpit can launch.
0: Right, so he gets out of there, but the Ternay is now in the hands of the villains, one of whom is Lord Gwyn, uh, which is fun. Right. So uh, Gwyn and Gim head back to Earth. Loren tells everybody about Gwyn's betrayal, and basically the remaining soldiers from Earth form an alliance with the people from the Moon Race to repair and repaint a cruiser so that they can go back to Earth and stop Gwyn and Gim. While this is happening, Lauren signs the jumpsuits of twin mechanics, (laughs) and so she's very jealous about this, which is funny.
1: Love you included this extremely minor scene, but yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's a fun scene. Yeah, like It's funny
0: that Lauren is considered kind
1: of a celebrity now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs)
0: And he doesn't really know how to handle it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. There's uh the, the ship is attacked by a bunch of dorks who get totally curb stomped by Lauren and Harry. Basically, they're barely even worth mentioning, honestly. Except that they pilot mobile suits that are based off a of Double Zeta mobile suit design. So there's that. Uh, yeah, the ZA. They're however oh, yeah, you're I supposed about to that. pronounce Z S S A.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, sure.
0: And... <laughs> and so the repaired ship which they christen the whales launches and heads towards earth while gim's forces are basically just destroying phil's forces um lily plans on brokering an alliance between all of the different i guess nations of ameria to have a united ameria and diana's forces uh Mary Bell tests out the moonlight butterfly and just totally destroys a town easily uh, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty crazy but also corin nander who again is now just kind of a wandering monk recognizes the smell of the atmospheric ionization caused by the moonlight butterfly yeah suggesting, suggesting he was suggesting alive that, for that happening right, that he survived around. it yeah which is fucking crazy uh, and basically decides to go back and join the heroes to try to stop this from happening again. Uh, also, Keith's bakery is destroyed during the fighting because poor Keith. He's just been baking bread this entire show. And yeah. now his bakery is destroyed.
1: That's what you get for not taking a side. <laughs> Centrist <I guess>. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> uh
0: so uh Lauren leads a team to try to recapture the turn a they board the will game and kind of hilariously the crew of the will game don't seem to fully understand what's going on because yeah, they're like, right. oh, hey, Lauren's back. Like, yeah, Uh they encounter Gwyn, who explains his plan, which is he's going to use his alliance with Gim to sort of start a new industrial revolution with him as the leader, and he plans on mass producing the turn A, which seems like the worst idea possible. <laughs>
1: yeah, right,
0: in all honesty, given how destructive it is.
1: I do like, uh, but hey, I do like his character's tact though, in like in being like, well, Gim is going to return to earth regardless. And he is way more militarily advanced than Diana counter. So he'll take over shit. So I'm going to team up with him because he's going to (laughs) win. And it's like, Oh, that actually makes sense. It's like, maybe then I could actually control him instead of, you know, letting him destroy the earth and do whatever he pleases with it. Which for Gwen is an interesting, again, another interesting point of view where it's like, that makes sense from a certain perspective. And, once again, these characters' <laughs> desires and goals right. kind of track.
0: Right, right, and even even if it is doing something as on its face yeah. stupid as aligning with Gim, who clearly cannot be trusted yeah, with anything, because yeah. uh, he just wants to kill everybody, basically. But anyway, uh Gwyn uh, begs Lauren to join him. Lauren refuses and they steal back the turn a, although Joseph Yacht is actually the guy who gets in the cockpit. Uh, while all this is happening, Diana reunites with Phil and Mirren, who basically swear fealty to her again, so now Diana counter forces are joined up with the rest of the, I guess, protagonist forces. Uh, Corin Nander arrives and is given a custom kapool with a rocket punch and a yeah. base that is original mobile suit used which is great it's and red and has a command horn too of course yeah right Just weirdly awesome. only in the final episode does it have a command horn it doesn't in the penultimate episode even though there's no time to put one on it Right. right we'll put it on IMDb.
1: yeah
0: i will continuity continuity error this show is terrible yeah god damn it fix it someone must have gotten fired for that mistake (laughs) yeah anyway (laughs) i love that yeah yeah anyway um also there's a like microsecond flash oh yeah from Coronander of the wing zero which is interesting
1: yeah when he suggested- sees like the turn turn a's and he's kind of having a mental break like remembering this shit you see like as he's screaming this little like tear in the screen revealing a gundam face that happens like you said um, like less than a second it's just like oh i can tell it's yeah, a gundam it's- face you have to it's pause and look fast. at it you have to pause and look at it and you realize oh that's the fucking wing zero which is yeah awesome a really which- cool thing that's like oh this guy was around for that century and probably just got like weirdly cryo-freezed and re you know and then unfrozen like yeah he's been alive
0: for tens and tens of thousands of years possibly hundreds of thousands of years at this point yeah
1: really wild i I really enjoy that
0: and also is enough of a badass that he survived (laughs) not only the turn a terminating earth's civilization to borrow agrippa's phrase but also survived an encounter with the fucking Wing Zero at some yeah, point. Yeah,
1: and, and knowing enemy mobile suits in Mobile Suit Gundam, the likelihood of one of those surviving an encounter with the Wing Zero is extremely low. Yeah,
0: you, you mean Gundam Wing, of course, but... Is that what I yeah, said? Yeah. what
1: did I say? You said Mobile Suit Gundam. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, Um, either, either way. I mean, like, but against yeah, the Wing like, Zero, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> that thing has a uh, body count in terms of mobile suits. Indeed. So
0: it's... a. Uh, i i really like that little bit it yeah, yeah. honestly does a lot to establish Corinander's cred for actually being a real badass yeah yeah for surviving that shit uh so joseph refuses to hand the turn a over to lauren because he doesn't really like the moon race and he doesn't feel like the moon race should be fighting the earth's battles for it yeah uh he tries to attack the turn X but Gim basically just crushes him uh, and also kills Sweatson Sutero when Sweatson tries to intervene because he's like, this isn't your fight, and just murders his support <laughs> yeah. man because uh, he's an asshole. Um, also, a stray shot from the battle hits the will game, so it's disabled, and Harry Ord and Ensign Poe team up to distract Gim so that Loren can switch the core fighter with the cockpit that Joseph was using. Uh, Gim uses the Moonlight Butterfly to escape the battle— and heads to Lost Mountain for the final showdown. So this is my favorite episode. It's the finale of the show, episode 50, Golden Autumn. So this last episode is, I think, my favorite of the series, which is saying something, because there are a lot of really great episodes in this show, and I think it's just a great finale in general in terms of television. So Lauren and Gim meet at Lost Mountain, which of course is where the nukes were first detonated, and begin their final fight. And like most Gundam shows, uh, I I think I talked about this pretty in depth with uh, our last Yu Yu show coverage, where... Basically, I think the best fights in anime, and really in a lot of things, are uh, fights that are kind of physical metaphor for a philosophical argument between two characters, and Gundam does that stuff all the time, and frankly, I think this is like some of the best of that uh, in the franchise. So, Gim is basically arguing that the dark history will repeat itself, because... Humans naturally war against each other. I mean, this is the idea of the fighting instinct that Agrippa brought up, and Gim seems to believe it too uh and that basically these fighting instincts are reawakening, which he provides evidence in the form of Diana's return to Earth and the Terran rejection of that plan, yeah and since war is in man's nature, he thinks that it can't be stopped and is the only way for humanity to move forward as like a civilization is to war against each other. So he intends to use the Turnax to basically destroy everything so he can reset and lead humanity into this new future. Yeah. Of course, Loran uh, rejects this idea because he's generally more peacefully minded and basically argues that humans don't fight for themselves, but rather they fight to protect other people who need to be protected. Not because they enjoy it or because it's in man's nature to fight. Right. Um, while this is all happening, Corrin tricks Miyashi and Sochi into connecting their capools to his, which he then steals to use as basically rocket boosters. So yeah. we get... The uh, the greatest image ever, which is a Kapool standing on two other Kapools, just like flying off in a ridiculous like cheerleader pyramid <laughs> yeah. of goofy looking mobile suits. Uh, the will game is losing altitude and Colonel Michael mutinies when he realizes that Gwyn is already planning what to do after the war ends. So th- they can't follow his orders anymore yeah. because if they continue to, they will never stop fighting. Essentially. Right. Uh the turn units are fighting, they enter into a deadlock that activates both of their moonlight butterflies. Uh Gim begs Maribel to intervene, which is funny given that earlier he killed one of his subordinates for intervening. Yeah. Uh and then Corrin flies in, uh, destroys Maribel's mobile suit, and manages to stop the deadlock, but he is killed in the process.
1: Yeah, by, by rocket punching the turn X in the crotch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And man, can I just say it's great that it has a rocket punch.
0: It's yeah. just such a goofy thing to uh, throw really into late.
1: a show at this late hour. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
0: but I really love it.
1: I, I um, love how it was it was introduced earlier too, in like a previous battle. And it was just great. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the
0: penultimate episode, I believe, is uh, he uses it. Uh so the Will Game crash lands. The militia evacuates. Uh, Gwyn and Lily meet, and basically, she kind of shit talks him <laughs> over his relationship with Lauren, saying like, "Call him his actual name, maybe." Yeah. Uh, right. Mary Bell's mobile suit crashes nearby, and Gwyn and Mary Bell kind of had some kind of relationship because she was on the Will Game as sort of Gim's, you know, eyes and ears, basically. Yeah. Uh, so they flee on this airship and lily basically just continues to needle gwyn by saying like see you i'll be taking over what you wanted to do while you're (laughs) gone (laughs) yeah right uh which is pretty great um gam and lauren continue fighting eventually they destroy each other's mobile suits uh pretty much in the same way as the end of mobile suit gundam and then Gim throws Laura on a sword. They have a brief sword fight as the turn units sort of
1: encase each other in this cocoon of some kind. Yeah, this like butterfly, moonlight butterfly kind of energy is reaching out and cocooning them, and they they both flee their mobile suits.
0: Yeah, right. So, so they're sword fighting, and then uh, it reaches out for Gim, uh, presumably for the sword being technology of a kind. And uh, Loren drops his sword and runs as Gim is kind of absorbed into this cocoon. And so Loren
1: runs away
0: and runs into the waiting hand of a flat piloted by Sochi, of all
1: people. Yeah, and so they he narrowly escapes as, like, you know, the turn a's both the Turne and the Turnex both kind of, like, consume each other and sort of become this big cocoon and seal, kind of just seal themselves off. Um, seemingly acting based on ai as well i'm not sure um, yeah
0: i mean who knows what that right. I, I think the intention is that this is how the mobile suits that were recovered from the mountain cycle and the other dig sites were preserved is through this means and what they are doing is preserving each other in some kind of cocoon of nanomachines. Right. Um, which has horrifying implications if you <laughs> consider that Gim has also been absorbed into this and these things were maintained for millennia by nanomachines. Yeah. So like Gim could very well be alive stuck in this cocoon forever.
1: I guess so. Which yeah. would be pretty <laughs> terrifying.
0: Or he's just dead, whichever. I mean fitting end either way really. Yeah. Um So the war is over and then we get the epilogue, which I really love. The epilogue Mm -hmm. is maybe the thing that sold me on this show. Just like I I was really enjoying it the first time I saw it, but I think the epilogue is what really cemented my love of this show.
1: Yeah. It's it's a long epilogue and it's all set to the um, ending theme music. uh, Right. right. Suki no Mayu, uh, which is great and very epic and like kind of, picks up in such a way that it works perfectly for an epilogue to a big story like this.
0: Right. And it's it's kind of melancholy, which I think yeah. fits also. So oh, yeah. the the big notes of the epilogue are that uh Diana and Kehel agree to switch places one last time so that Kehel can stay on the moon and basically rule as Queen Diana. And Diana can stay on Earth where she marries Lauren and is basically living out the remainder of her days because it's suggested and implied throughout the show that she is kind of physically weak because, yeah, despite you know being what nineteen or eighteen or however old she's supposed to be seventeen, uh, obviously she's actually hundreds of years old and has just been in stasis a lot, so her body yeah, is kind of breaking down. Yeah,
1: right. And so he's he's clearly like kind of taking care of her, and then it's implied that they're married through the showing a ring on her finger and stuff. Um, yeah, right. I mean, it's not like we see a ceremony, but she, yeah, she's right.
0: wearing a wedding ring, so they're probably married.
1: <laughs> Bruno and, and Jakob are performing a a puppet show of the climatic yeah, fight between the yeah, Turn A yeah. and Turn X, which is fucking great. Kids which is are great. loving it. Also,
0: there's a Kapul in there, which suggests that they're paying some you know respects oh, yeah. to their former commanding officer which i think is nice like really the the thing about this epilogue i, I could go into what happens to every single character sure. I'm not going to but the thing about the epilogue is it has a lot of heart like it's just oh yeah basically every single character with one exception which we'll get into in a moment has a happy ending here they all either um pair off with someone or get whatever they were like looking for. Like, for example, the ret team, the remainder of the ret team that were left on Earth, get to go to space with Kehel, which is, you know, the what they wanted their whole yeah, lives right. basically, was to be with their queen and be back where they came from. Um the yeah, Bruno and Jockup are doing a puppet show. Uh
1: joseph has a kid now with uh <laughs> yeah, friend with
0: friend who is working for some kind of news organization yeah uh and then you know we we've got all these relatively happy endings except for sochi who yeah doesn't get a happy ending at all because she couldn't because for everyone else to have their happy ending basically
1: she's unable to have hers like yeah because she was in love with lauren and never really said it either but it's like you know implied love with lauren it's pretty clear yeah and then he he has to leave because he's going to take care of diana and marry her supposedly as well um, yeah
0: i don't know why you keep like i don't because, know because like I, was, is, I didn't she's think, wearing a wedding ring i
1: didn't think they got married i thought he was just taking care of her and th- their relationship he still calls her his queen so i thought their relationship was still a little like you know like that more so than like husband and wife well but, yeah, they, but it does show it she is. has a wedding ring Yes, in the in the way that stories use symbols to imply things that is a pretty big implication
0: yeah <laughs> um
1: <laughs> But it's not. Uh, it's something I didn't think of until you mentioned it to me today. So. Right,
0: and in fairness, it's only on screen for like a moment, and I've yeah. watched this epilogue many times because I find it really, yeah, honestly, great. heartbreaking. I, I cried when we watched yeah. it. I, I mean, watched the like, whole y- episode later and like sobbed about it. Yeah, like, this, Sochi, it's like, just sad.
1: You know, the person she loves goes off somewhere else, and she's left taking care of her mom, who I think has been kind of had some brain damage from like yeah, all has some the, kind of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. From the, from the warfare and she's left alone, you know, her sister leaves as well. So she's just like alone in her manner with her mom. And, it, you know, right. it shows her at night biking out, pick, taking the, um, keepsake that lauren had when he came down to the earth going biking out to the uh river where she found him and she just screams and throws the uh keepsake back into the river it's really powerful right. it's like at night all under the moon of course you know right right yeah, it's, it's it's just
0: a extremely well done just i don't know tragic scene like tra- yeah. sochi has a very tragic ending and I think that this ending, like when I saw this show the first time, is the thing that made me go, I think Sochi is my favorite character yeah, because right. of this ending. And, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I could just go on and on about this, honestly. But yeah, I, mean, I I think that that part of it is, as I said, what, what I think made Sochi my favorite character. And re-watching this show with the idea that she and lauren do not end up together in mind there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that is much more sad than it's initially presented <laughs>
1: yeah right um it at it, it so, yeah. like a because it's like a tragic ending without like much in the way of death like yes her her father died and her mother was left traumatized and in a in a um, fragile mental state but like it, you know you think like oh it's a war movie it's a war show it's going to end there's going to be like uh, our whole family's dead or something but it's it's tragic in a in a very different and very realistically harsh way of just you know things not going how you wanted them to things not going how you right. expected them to and love not going in that way and it's like right. r- really hits hard <laughs> yeah understandably also... um you know It's just yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I I thought that was really impressive how they did that and managed to convey that kind of heartbreak.
0: Right. And it's also worth mentioning that uh, she ends up running her family mine, which in the first episode, she explicitly says she never wants to do. So even her dreams die.
1: Like it's oh, just okay. I she mean, loses it's just, everything. She, she can still do other shit eventually. <laughs> well, sure, but for it the context like of the end of the doomed. show. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like basically she lost you. everything as a result of this war. And yeah, I don't know. Right. It's tragic. So yeah. let's uh let's get to the break. We'll we'll talk about this more when we get back. Gundam will return in a moment. Hey there everyone, it's Michael, and I'm not even going to make a joke about how this episode is late. I guess, except for that one. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Diving, and the music played during the bumpers is Monkeys. Uh, Both of these tracks are by Onatek, that is A-N-I-T-E-K. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud, rights were secured through gemendo our final episode will release on the 21st of april if you want to get in touch with us for whatever reason you can dm us on facebook.com slash uh, hp twitter at hp or you can email us at hyperspace at gmail.com And now back to turn a Gundam. All right, we are back. Peter, I'm going to let you start off this discussion. What do you think about, I guess turn a as a whole, I I don't think we need to talk about this specific block. I think we can just move right on to the show discussion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love it. Good God. I I love this show. And like it is seeing it now. And it's just like, oh yeah, this is far and away my favorite Gundam show. Um, G Gundam still holds a special place in my heart, and it's a special <laughs> kind of very stupid fun. Whereas this is more like this is a show that it definitely takes in all the other Gundam shows too, and it being like Tomino's kind of at the time ultimate Gundam show. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like how it how it works, and I like how it's like peace focused and kind of more seems almost more pure of heart and very character driven and like, you know, very understanding of every character's point of view and every potential Mm -hmm. point of view in the show. There's something like very, it's very intelligently and well-written in that sense that I really respect. And I, it, 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 it has a kind of studio Ghibli quality to it in that sense as well. Whereas like, there are no like arch villain, sick fucks in like studio Ghibli stuff usually like it's like at worst, it's going to be someone driven to do bad things by the need for profit or some kind of gains. And, um, and you know, they, they, they're given like some level of understanding as to why they believe certain things or act certain ways. Mm -hmm. And this show kind of operates in the same way and has like a similar kind of, I want to say like pure spirit to it, which is like, I know kind of broad terms, but it has a, it's a very uniquely studio Ghibli thing to me that I now see in this show. Um, someone once I read online that someone called it, you know, this, what if studio Ghibli made a Gundam show that's Turn A Gundam. And I, I do intend, I do tend to agree with that. I think that's, um, pretty on point. And Mm. there's something about it that, that has a similar quality to it that I really like. Um, Like I said, with the character motivations being like making sense for every character throughout is just like testament to the quality of the show's writing. Um, Yeah,
0: they're very readable in a way that I I think we talked about this last time a little bit, but they're very readable in a way that isn't like it's not predictable on the nose.
1: Yeah, and it's not predictable either because they'll still like take things in a new direction. Harry Ord kidnapping Kihal, for example takes a completely unexpected direction for me made perfect sense character-wise why he would do that right um and and you know throughout with like every character uh even a maintainer a character who's like introduced and is a little wacky and has been built up as this big character so like to have him introduced as a little wacky is like kind of funny but then it's like oh actually he's a real character too and he has a real point of view um it it's it's a really impressive show to me. And like, I really love the music and I just, the world is like perfect. I love the, the Victorian stuff works so well. And I love the whole like archeological aspect of digging up these old things and not understanding them and then mm-hmm. using them mm-hmm. in a warfare, which is that part's not really archeological, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> are you <laughs> sure? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we haven't <laughs> found any giant Mecca yet, but I guess what yeah, we, do, yeah. we probably would end up using it in a war. Um, uh, but uh, it it unites like so many different interests for me. And like, it's a show that also seems like cool and understanding of like all sorts of different cultural perspectives in its own way. And it's really fascinating. I really like it. Oh God. Like I could gush about it more, but
0: right. Like, I think that, well, it, it goes without saying probably, but uh, on a technical level the show is an absolute masterpiece like even if we're looking aside from like the plot stuff and the yeah. the the symbolism and the thematic stuff just on the level of like the animation is incredible it is consistently good there's like maybe one or two moments where it looks kind of bad or is a little like corner cutting mm-hmm. but for the most part the animation is incredible the music is excellent i mean it's a yokokano score yeah so you know no real surprise there but it is just like deployed extremely well yeah um to give scenes weight and impact the characters are all likable and understandable the the Uh, the yeah as you said like the contrast between this sort of victorian era architecture and technology with these big mobile suits i mean like a lot of people don't like the mobile suit designs in this show that much the ones that are wholly original to the show because they're very weird but even that i think has a certain specificity to it Yeah, absolutely. uh, Or rather an intentionality to it, I guess, where... It
1: it makes sense that they look so alien and bizarre and completely different from everything we've seen before. Because, for one thing, that's like how the common people in the show, the Terrans, are like looking at these things like, we've never seen a fucking mobile suit before. What is that? These are space aliens invading us. When the moon race people are coming down? You know, might as well be. Their technology right. is yeah, so yeah. advanced. Like, there's so, there's and so it's many like so
0: different and unrecognizable yeah. there, from there, what there's we lots of make. like
1: interesting meta stuff in how weird the designs look. Plus, just the designs themselves for me, it really grew on me. Like, I thought I would never like the mustached mobile suit, and now I'm right. like, yeah, I would get a kid of that. That thing's pretty sick. The Turn X is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. feel the
0: same. Like the the Turn A design, exactly. I, I think as I said uh when we first recorded you know when we recorded our first episode for this um that that i originally saw this show in like some fan magazine that i got oh, yeah. when i was a kid and i was watching yeah. gundam wing and i saw all of like the the concept for the show and the designs and i was like this show looks
1: really stupid i hate all of wasn't this wasn't it like pojo's unofficial guide to gundam wing or something uh no
0: it was the other one that i have okay oh, the an america
1: uh, yeah the an america one yeah yeah dude that and, thing's great
0: right right and and it's just uh it's interesting to see how much different my perspective on the show is yeah. now because I mean, of course, I've actually watched it now <laughs> and I'm also like not a kid. So, yeah, I guess I can maybe relate a bit more to some of the specific character struggles and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just a masterpiece. Honestly, it's it's incredible. And I, I think that w- one of the things that I really love about it, and this is going into like maybe I'm, I don't know, reading too much into it. Or something like that. Although I'd argue you can't do that, but whatever. Uh, the point is, uh, specifically the the final like argument uh, between Gim and Lauren, I think has a deeper intention than it, it necessarily first appears. Yeah. Because basically, and I I think I said this when we recorded our Gundam Wing episodes. To me, one of the basic tenets of Gundam, one of the cores of the franchise, is this idea that no matter how advanced humanity gets, we will always find a reason to kill each other and a reason to hate each other. Like, that's just—that's that's part of the human condition. That's mm-hmm. something that we're never going to be able to escape. I think that is the core of Gundam that basic idea there will always be conflict between man because we'll find a reason for it and i think the final argument between gim and lauren is almost in a way tamino arguing with a past version of himself
1: yeah of this yeah.
0: like no we're stuck in this cycle and we need to stop denying it and that's what's killing us, is denying that we're warriors and that we fight each other and that that is what's human. That is what it is to be human. And Lauren basically saying, not necessarily. <laughs> like, yeah. And really just the whole, I guess, perspective of the show that I talked about a little last time, this idea that um, even in the midst of war, there are still things like worth living for yeah yeah um I, I i think that final argument speaks to that and it's basically like maybe we are stuck in this cycle maybe uh, we are doomed to some extent to repeat history but that doesn't make life not worth living and yeah i mean speaking as someone who frankly has been suffering depression pretty fucking hard lately Mm -hmm. i i find that to be a really um meaningful message yeah especially coming from someone who was himself incredibly depressed for a really long time yeah tomino and who seems to have i don't know found his way out of it and like i don't know how i feel about tomino as a person but as an artist I think that that's a really meaningful message, and I personally find a lot of meaning in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with I, I I just think that's incredible. Like, that's a, a great thing to have a person come back to a franchise and basically question the yeah. franchise that he started yeah. and question yeah. its core element. And it's not, I think it's beautiful.
1: You know, at times you get the feeling he has some spite for the franchise, like all of Victory Gundam, but. <laughs> from what i hear uh but um you know with this it seems like loving and it seems like something where he's kind of embracing it and questioning it uh at its core and i i really like that like it, it there's no this show's not a cynical <laughs> gundam show you know it's very it seems very honest and genuine
0: yeah right and very like humanist perhaps yeah,
1: yes absolutely um
0: and that's great like, that's uh, that's why it's my favorite of the franchise, yeah. for sure. I mean,
1: it's just... I- I'm really glad we watched it, and I'm glad we watched it when we did, because I think right. it's helped me yeah. go through some rough shit myself, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I I don't know. I, I just... I, I really love this show. So, yeah. I mean, this is... Not going to surprise anyone, but as a recommendation, like go watch this, find yeah. it, buy yeah. the Blu-ray, fucking, I, I'm not going to encourage you to pirate it, but I don't know, Gundam Info, if you're listening, which you're obviously not, because why, why would you be? Maybe put this on instead of like 7 sd gundam world shows that i have literally the <laughs> lowest amount of interest that a person yeah. could possibly have in a show for yeah like right more people need to see this show gundam fans in particular yeah for
1: sure like, uh and, and like you so, guys yeah, have the subtitle it. fucking and it's a high quality show and you know it's yeah there's lots of reasons it ages extremely well um right in yeah, many yeah. ways i mean um, yeah, you know, fucking, <laughs> this show deserves to be out
0: there more, right? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I just think it's a masterpiece. Like, really, it is. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I absolutely agree. It's, it's funny to me in, in some sense, that at one point I was like, I'm not sure if Turn A is my favorite or Zeta Gundam is my favorite, and now I'm like. No, there's no question between those two. Zeta is one of the most cynical shows I think I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: like, right. the
0: ending of Zeta Gundam. Everybody dies. Everybody. <laughs> the main character, it, like, is comatose at the end of that fucking show. Jeez. Like, it's such a dark ending in a way that just feels like a slap in the face. And, I don't know, the just the way that this show ends and can draw so much emotion from like watching characters find their place in the world. Yeah. is I yeah. don't know, better. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot better. <laughs> Just straight up better. Yeah. So go watch it. Um anyway, we're we're almost done with the show. Like this is almost it. Uh but we are going to do one last episode because I'm not ending on yeah. 139. We got to get to at least 140. Uh and I'm not totally sure what we're gonna do for the last episode. I think we're just gonna discuss gonna some, some, some kind of, the of retrospective. That, yeah, right. Some of the shows that stood out to us. We kind of did something similar to this when we ended the Tom One era. Yeah, yeah. Uh but I think we're just gonna talk about the podcast as a whole.
1: T- so Tsunami Revisited, Revisited. Except it's Hyper Space Broadcast. <laughs> <Revisited>. <laughs>
0: yeah, except we changed the title initially, which was probably a mistake. I do regret. That. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> it was a pretty funny Copyright. conversation
1: at least. <laughs> anyway right
0: yeah all right so yeah ne- uh not next week but two weeks from now uh we'll be wrapping up our final episode until then i'm michael doke
1: and i'm peter Eby, and uh
0: stay safe everyone
1: yeah stay safe have fun be sure to wear a fucking
0: mask anyway see y'all Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're staying safe and wearing a mask in public, as Peter, like, just said. Uh, If you have the means, please remember to provide for others in your community who might be struggling right now by donating to your local food bank or towards social causes like Black Lives Matter or uh, Stop Asian Hate. We'll see you in two weeks for the final episode. Thanks again for listening and see you later. Oh, I also need to tell you very briefly after we're done recording, uh, I did watch the Snyder Cut of Justice League with Kevin. Nice. And Jesus fucking Christ, that movie does not need to be four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, it's my
1: favorite thing in the world that stuck
0: in four we, hours. We, long. we literally started watching it at 10 p.m.
1: Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Yeah. And, and you didn't stop? There's no brakes? Uh, we paused
0: briefly about midway through because Kevin was like, how much more of this is there? Like, I just need to know. And it was like right exactly at the two-hour mark when we paused. just like, yeah. oh my God. You paused to snort heroin <laughs> to yep. get through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like uh, Uma Thurman like in Pulp Fiction. And then we had to be driven to a dude's house to get a... An adrenaline shot plugged into our chest. Uh, What a great movie and scene in general. Anyway, let's begin. In three, two, one.